We are in the series on the Beatitudes, and uh, if you're just joining with us, uh, it's been an incredible series um, to study. I actually have worked ahead on this a little bit, which I'm, I was excited to do with Michael. Um, and I've looked at all of the ones that we're going to be looking at. Blessed are the poor in spirit we did last week, and, uh, and this week we're going to do another one, and then we're going to do uh, a, a couple others. And as I was studying through and doing, doing the prep with Michael, I was like, yeah, I can really sink my teeth into this one. Yeah, this is looking really good. And then I realized the one that we have for this week. The Beatitudes are uh, the way that Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount. This is the longest recorded sermon that we have from Jesus Christ. It takes up three chapters of the, of the book of Matthew. It's a powerful, powerful message about what it means for us to follow the words of Jesus Christ. Uh, if you've never read the Sermon on the Mount, it's, it's a great service, uh, a sermon to read, uh, life-changing, but it starts with the Beatitudes. These blessed are the peacemakers, or blessed are those who uh, mourn. And it starts with all of these different beatitudes that kind of introduce uh, the, the introduction for the Sermon on the Mount. Now I looked at the one for, we're going to do for this week, and I felt a little bit unexcited. Because the one we're doing for this week is, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. Now, how many people really enjoy mourning? Uh, can, I, can I get any takers? If I could, if I could uh, help you uh, in your life, and uh, let me get this chair over here and pull this table <laughs> up here. Mark, can you get that for me, brother? Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. Um, not many people run into the idea of mourning. So if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I'm not really excited about finding out about mourning or, or digging into mourning, then join the club, neither was I. But the more I studied this, the more I realized what God had to say in this subject of the mourning, thank you, sir, the more excited I got about the possibilities of how this could change the way we think about life and the way that we think, especially about mourning. My question is this morning, though, it's probably the same as yours. If this is the way Jesus starts out his infamous Sermon on the Mount, as number two, blessed are those who mourn. Could it be possible that Jesus really likes it when we're depressed? Is it, is it that there's something about God that, that he says, yeah, what I want you to do now that you're a Christian, now that you're a full-fledged follower of mine, I'd like for you to be a little bit of a downer wherever you go. I want everybody to be completely impacted negatively so that they mourn when you show up in their, at, to their party. And I, it's, it's, if you don't understand what you're reading, you can, you can certainly look at it this way. Nobody likes to run headfirst into personal pain. Nobody, everybody tries to avoid it. I mean, anybody like to lose somebody you love? Anybody like to go to a funeral and, and lose something that has meant so much to you? Losing your job, losing a regular paycheck. I mean, name it. There's so many things. Losing your health. So many things that happen in our lives that cause us to mourn. Could it be possible that Jesus says, here's what I want from you. I want you to really grab a hold of that mourning and enjoy it. That seems kind of odd, doesn't it? So I read it over this morning, or I'm going to read it over this morning. I've been reading over it and studying over it. I want you to really look at these words. Here they are up on the screen. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And that's it. Each one of these, blessed last week, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, 
for they shall see the kingdom of God. Each one of these has a, a, a blessed aspect to it and then a promise aspect to it. This one is included as number two, I think because there's something about mourning that is so common to all of us. I was praying with the, with the guys this morning and I prayed and I said, Lord, there are people coming through this door and there are people standing here joined, joining hands this morning, praying over the service to follow. And the one thing we all have in common is that every one of us probably, whether it's something heavy or light, every one of us is mourning of, over something. Loss of a friendship, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, loss of health, loss of finances, you name it. And there's an aspect of our lives where we continually carry on this aspect of mourning and pain. And so we're, if we're forced to ask the question, does God like it when we're nearly incapacitated by sorrow? Jesus' audience, like us, is familiar, was familiar with pain. And so God gives us this Sermon on the Mount, these three chapters, where we can read them and, and, and understand a little bit of what it means to live victoriously through normal everyday life. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount gives us God's Word and the Holy Spirit, information in the Bible that is written for us, as well as the resources that we need through the power of the Holy Spirit to live above the norm of the world. Right? You can read through it, and it's, Jesus said, you have heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't steal, but I, or, or don't get mad at your brother. But I tell you, if anyone says raka, or you have a bad feeling in your heart, you've committed murder already. And he kind of turns everything upside down, giving us ways to live kingdom lives in a broken world. And sometimes, for us, that's very difficult to do. It's very difficult to not less do, but just understand. The Beatitudes gives us how we can have an attitude that will allow us to have the actions of living kingdom lives in a broken world. The second of the Beatitudes then is, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Our plight in this world is that we live in a sin-filled world. We struggle daily to live above the fray of the world in which we live. The disappointment, the struggles, the pain that we regularly experience. We struggle to live above the fray and live as kingdom victorious Christians in a world that regularly experiences pain and draws us into those circles all too often. There's three areas I think that we experience pain. We experience pain of loss, Loss of life, loss of health, loss of things that we love, loss of things that we're comfortable with. The experience of loss creates great suffering in our souls. We experience the pain of disappointment. Disappointment of things that should have worked out and didn't work out, loss of a stability that we have in life, a regular paycheck, a regular job, unmet expectations, we wish we had been this when we ended up being this. And so we end up experiencing loss, we end up experiencing disappointment, and the last one is we end up experiencing failure or deficiency. This is where we don't live up to our own expectations. We have loss of ambition or loss of abilities. We can't do all the things we want to do or we don't have success in doing the things we want to do. Or how about this, we don't live holy lives like we think we should. And we constantly have this disappointment in our lives. And all of these things, the, the loss of, 
loss of life, loss of death, experience of loss in our life, the deficiency that we experience or the disappointment that we regularly experience, all of these things bring about some aspect of mourning. Now, it may be a mourning that is a one or a two or a three on a scale of one to 10, but sometimes it's a mourning of 10, right? Sometimes it's a really difficult thing that we have to go through and we feel like our very lives are being snuffed out. Like we can't even live another day. Now you know why this is not a message I look forward to preaching, right? Everybody's in a downer mood, right? Who wants to talk about potential of loss? Who wants to talk about suffering? My whole life is built on the idea that everything I do, I try to avoid suffering at all costs. Right? I try to make sure that I have enough in the bank so I don't have to worry about finances. I want to make sure that I invest enough in my relationships so I don't experience somebody. I, I exercise so I don't lose my health. Every way that I try, well, I should exercise more. Some of you are going, you do? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Everything that I do, I'm trying to avoid what could happen because I know that if it happens, I'm going to be down. I'm going to be bummed out. I'm going to be, I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be um, experiencing mourning. How do t Americans typically deal with pain? If you think about it, what do people around us do to get through the pain? <laughs> well, for, for what is that? <laughs> yeah, drink and drive. Well, who do you people hang around? Yeah. Uh, let's call that avoidance, all right? When you, when, you, when you have to deal with mourning and you try and avoid that at all costs, you will turn to anything to get your mind off it. Drinking, alcohol, drugs, whatever it takes. A lot of people are just addicted to those things because they went through a painful moment in their lives. They tried to avoid that by get, getting their, their minds somewhere else and it grabs a hold of them and becomes an addiction. So people, some people do that, they do the avoidance route. Some people just go numb, they check out. Um, some people look for diversions. Um, and some people just avoid it altogether. They just pretend nothing's happening. Like if I don't talk about it, if I don't hear about it, then I don't have to actually admit that it's going on. Jesus is speaking to a group of people that know exactly what he's talking about because they live in a continual, perpetual, uh, moment by moment lifestyle of suffering. In fact, in their day, in Jesus' day, they even had a project that they would do, something that they normally did when they, when they dealt with suffering. If you look in the Old Testament, it was a regular thing that if you're dealing with an, a, a time of mourning, you would put on sackcloth and ashes. This was a regular thing for the Jewish people. If you're in a time of mourning, this is the kind of person you'll be. They wore black. They, it's just, we do the same thing. You go to a funeral, you wear black. You don't come in a clown suit. That's not what you do. It's normal to come in black because you are mourning. And there's certain things that different cultures do so that they can express in an outward way that they are broken in their spirit. They are mourning. They are torn at their very soul. Some people want to check out completely. And they can't handle with mourning altogether. And so the suicide rate goes up. Jesus is talking to a group of people who are very much familiar with mourning. And he knows he puts it as number two in the Beatitudes because he knows that this is an aspect of life that affects everybody. Even those gathered in 2017 in July, gathered at Village Church East. We understand mourning. But the reason it's called a beatitude is because where there's acknowledgement of the brokenness that sin brings, there's a promise of blessedness to those who endure. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. There's a kingdom blessing, a reality of the kingdom that will be unveiled only when I learn to properly embrace mourning. And that comes through loss and suffering. But when I learn to embrace it properly, I can see a blessing even through mourning. I know this is completely weird and you're probably thinking to yourself, I am not running into any kind of situation where I'm gonna begin mourning. And I wouldn't advise you to. But my guess is even this next week, you're gonna have an opportunity to experience mourning. So how do you deal with it? Number one, know that we serve a God who empathizes with our mourning. And because of that empathy, we can understand the answer to this question, how do I mourn properly? Jesus' audience was familiar with with mourning. The Romans controlled their land. They were invaders. They didn't get to to do what they wanted to do. They had to do what the Romans wanted to do. If the Romans wanted to up their taxes, the Romans could up their taxes. If the Romans wanted to change the laws, they could change the laws in a heartbeat. It was kind of like living in America, but it was a little bit hard. (laughs) I'm sorry. Did you catch that sarcasm? Yeah. Uh, The Romans ruled with an iron fist. And the Romans were not the kind of people that you would invite over for a tailgate party. These were, these were rough and tough and ruthless individuals. The Jews wanted their promised land. They had been promised the land by God and they wanted to live in the promised land. Instead, they were stuck with this invaders. Because of that, there was no middle class. In the Jewish life, in Jesus' day, there was no middle class. There was only the poor of the poor and the rich. There's nothing in between. And you can guess where most people landed, right? Most people landed in the poor category. They knew what it meant to be, to suffer. And they knew what it meant to have invaders in the land and they knew what it meant not to to be free. And they mourned on a regular basis. In our world, we understand what it means to mourn too. Of course, you don't have invaders in our land. We have the freedom of America but we have, a, on a regular basis, we have constant reminders to us of reasons we have to mourn. It has been said that there are only 3% of recorded history could be described as a world of peace. We have constant reminders to us that there are war and there are battles and only 3% of world history, there's been peace. Does God understand it when I mourn? Yes, he can understand it when I mourn because we are regularly bombarded with pictures of people that are suffering. People are regularly abused in our world by governments and politicians and dictators that that take over. We regularly see influences of crime and disasters and people who work and abuse those around us. Can you skip back a little bit? Uh, we, we clicked ahead there really quick. Just give me the, the first slide and the second slide because I want to park on this just for a minute. I tried to find a, a benign picture to illustrate this next one. The slavery trade is alive and well. If you didn't know that, then I'd advise you to stop watching the popular news and, and start looking at some things online that, that tell us about how the slave trade is going. Crime and disasters is, is one thing, but there are people that regularly abuse girls and boys, selling them into the sex trade. 46 million people today it is estimated, are sold in slaves around the world. 46 million. India is the worst. I don't know if you knew this. I, I was not aware of this either. Indians at the top of the list. North Korea second to them. 21 million sex slave trade. 21 million uh, uh, of these folks being sold into uh, the sex slave uh, worldwide. 
that go, uh, go on worldwide. Of every 21 million, 4,000 cases are in the United States alone. Sex trafficking in the United States is a $150 billion industry. These are 2012 stats, by the way. So these are old. This is an ongoing problem that there are many uh, uh, Christian organizations that are trying to find these girls and these, and these young boys and get them out of these uh, situations. And uh, if you wanna get involved in that, there's uh, ministries, good Christian ministries that, are, that, are, that you can get involved in. Um, and I'd be glad to go through and, and help you find some of those uh, if you'd like to start supporting this ministry. But this is a, a big need in our world today. Natural disasters. I mean, this is another reason we mourn on a regular basis. How many times do we regularly see tsunamis and earthquakes and tornadoes take out entire cities and kill people in, in their wake. Haiti, uh, after the tsunami that happened several years ago, two years later, more people are dying because the crops didn't come up. Crops didn't come up because the, the ground is inundated with water. I talked with a missionary from Haiti a couple of weeks ago and she said it's, it's devastating because it has not come back. The resources have not come back and people are still uh, not being fed down there. And they're not being fed because all the money that's going down there is, is getting caught up in, in, uh, in the government system. And the government is taking the money out and using it for God knows what. Uh, and any money that gets to the people stays in the big cities. So she said her ministry, uh, Doctors Without Borders, is going to these uh, these smaller communities around the bigger cities and they just have nothing. They have no crops, they have no food, they have no fresh water, they have no money. And so uh, missionaries nowadays are actually filling their suitcases with cash and taking them down and making sure that they get on, um, on buses that will take them into the countryside so that they can distribute this money to the people who really need it. Uh, now, th this is worldwide stuff, but do I need to remind you of the murder rate in Chicago? Uh, we live in a world uh, right next door to us where uh, people are regularly being shot because of gangs and, and people that are irresponsible, carrying around guns and shooting them off and killing each other. And when you look at this, it's, it's easy to read it on the news and see it as a world that exists somewhere else. But if you looked at these kids and thought to yourself, if, if I was in one of these neighborhoods and couldn't get out, and I feared for my kid to go to school every day, and you take a little different a little different view of it, the first thing, I don't know about you, the first thing it causes me is deep grief and sorrow. And that comes out in mourning, and I just wish I could do more. This world has been full of pain and suffering since the first day it was subjected to the oppression of sin. And this is precisely why we sit in awe at the incarnation. Jesus is not a God who sees us from afar and feels for us. He is a God who saw us from afar and entered into our lives. He became flesh, John 1, 1. <laughs> the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, God incarnate, came and he lived and experienced life just like we live and experience life. Does God understand pain? You betcha. He understands every aspect of pain precisely because he lived in the sin-riddled world like we do. Did Jesus experience pain, suffering, and loss? Yes. Did he 